One uh, update on <clears throat> Eric Payne. Sarah called me just right a few minutes before church, and uh, he had to have his uh, passport renewed. And um, it will come as a shock to you, I'm sure, that he hasn't gotten it yet. <laughs> so he's had to um, cancel his flight for tomorrow, and he'll be uh, rescheduling that when he gets his um, passport. So Sarah was happy <laughs> that she gets to see him for a few more days. But anyway, that's the latest on that, so we can be praying about his... Um, passport situation. Galatians chapter 1 in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 1, and let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank You that the Bible does stand and um, that heaven and earth will pass away, but Your words shall not pass away. And we pray that that Word would stand in our hearts and that we would stand upon it in these evil days. And to that end, we pray that You would bless our study of Your Word tonight, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening we're continuing with our studies uh, in the book of Galatians. Sunday night we <clears throat> looked at the sixth verse and the opening words of verse 7. Paul says in verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. There is only one true gospel. And that is that Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the one who is the way and the truth and the life, the one who is the only way to the Father, the one in whose name alone is salvation, Christ, God manifest in the flesh, who purchased redemption with His own blood. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He offered one sacrifice for sins forever that whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth, not worketh, salvation is to him that worketh not because it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's according to His mercy that He saves us. It's according to His grace that He saves us. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. The Lord Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He's the promised Lamb that we see in the Old Testament. And, and uh, the, the, the Lamb that we see, all the lambs that we see in the sacrifices in the Old Testament, Abraham summarizes them beautifully in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8. 
when he tells Isaac, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. When the Lord Jesus steps out of eternity into time, how is he seen by John the Baptist? John chapter 1 and verse 29. Behold, John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When the Apostle John sees the Lord Jesus in glory, how does he see Him? Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a Lamb as it had been slain. This is the everlasting gospel. In eternity past, in time, in eternity future. It's still the cross. It's still the blood. It's still the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And there is not another. Paul says anyone who would pervert the gospel of Christ is a troubler, an agitator. He says there there be some that trouble you. One of the meanings of that word is to, to be an agitator. Someone who stirs things up into a confused sort of state. And so Paul says in verse 8, and, and these are the verses that we want to think about tonight. Didn't have time to get to them Sunday night. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And then he repeats these words. In verse 9, whenever God repeats something, and especially when He repeats something in the very next verse, something that we ought to take particular notice of. Verse 9, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. This is strong language. And it's strong language not because these are Paul's words. These are God's words. It's God who's using this word accursed. Not once, but twice. That word means a curse. It means deserving to be cursed. It means abominable. It means a person who is doomed to destruction. This word, accursed, is how God views any man, anyone who perverts the gospel of Christ. Now, there's a passage that gives us insight into why God would feel this way, why He would say this. I'd like for you to turn back to 1 Kings chapter 13, if you will. 1 Kings chapter 13. This is an important portion of Scripture for people who are living here in the last days. In these days that are marked by trouble and confusion and deception. The focus of the account here and we see it in verse 1, is a man of God 
who came out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel to cry against the false system of worship that Jeroboam had set up. And this man of God came to Bethel with instructions for himself from the Lord. And he came with a message for Jeroboam from the Lord. And the instructions from the Lord for this man of God were very simple. He was to go up to Bethel. He was to deliver the message. And then he was to leave. He was charged, he was commanded by the Lord that he was to eat no bread nor drink water nor turn again by the same way that he had come. That's a simple command. But isn't that true of all God's commands? His commands are not grievous. They're simple. And it's like that because there is simplicity in Christ. It's our sales. It's our sin. It's our desire to do our own will and to go our own way that complicates and confuses our lives, brings confusion to our lives. And so the command from the Lord to this man is simple, and his obedience is simple. Trust and obey, we sing. His obedience is complete all through his dealings with Jeroboam. You can read about that. We've got a lot of ground to cover tonight, but you can read about his dealings with Jeroboam. He gave the message. And the sign which he had given came to pass. And Jeroboam, when he heard the message, he put forth his hand to take this uh, man of God. And his hand dried up. He couldn't pull it again to him. The altar was rent. The ashes poured out from the altar just exactly according to the sign that the man of God had given and so the king decided that he might be able to bribe this man. And so he, after he had asked him to entreat the Lord for him, that his hand would be healed, and the man did that, the king said, come home with me. Come home with me. And uh, I'll give you a reward. And the man said, no, I can't. I can't. If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged by, by the word of the Lord, saying, eat no bread nor drink water nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. But then we come to verse 11. Now we come to verse 11. And that verse says, Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. There dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And I'd like for us to stop there. Because the wording, I believe, tells us, or at least suggests something important about this old prophet. I believe 
He was part of this false religion that Jeroboam had set up in Bethel and Dan. If you read back in 1 Kings chapter 12, you'll find out about the philosophy of Jeroboam's new religion. Jeroboam offered the people of Israel a convenient religion, a convenient alternative to the truth. He told them, he said, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. And what he was saying to them is, it's too much for you to worship where the Lord wants you to worship and how the Lord wants you to worship and when He wants you to worship. That's too much for you. It's just too much to do right. Stay here. Stay here. And you can enjoy the convenience of worshiping in Bethel or Dan. We have two convenient locations to serve you. And we have a golden calf in each location. Another word that characterizes Jeroboam's false religion is the word new. Everything was new. No more of the old way. There was a new priesthood. Jeroboam made priests of the lowest of the people, we read, which were not of the sons of Levi. Uh, priests only from the sons of Levi? Well, that's too narrow. That's exclusive. We want to be inclusive. He had new altars. He had new sacrifices. He had new religious festivals on a new day. And it would seem that this old prophet was on some level part of this. Perhaps he had been trained among the sons of the prophets. He had the name prophet. But he has settled into Jeroboam's new religion. Folks, if we are not actively, and I would say militantly, standing for the truth, if we aren't actively, if we aren't militantly contending for the faith, then we aren't going to stand still. We're going to go in the wrong direction. We're going to go in the direction of error and apostasy. That, at best, is this old prophet's condition. If this old, just, just think about it. If this old prophet had been standing... For what thus saith the Lord? If he had been preaching, thus saith the Lord in Bethel, then the Lord would have sent him to Jeroboam with the message. This old prophet, if he had been crying against the altar in the word of the Lord, then it would not have been necessary for a man of God to come out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Another word that gives us some insight about this old prophet is the word dwelt. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. That word means to have one's abode. In other words, he lived in Bethel. He had put his roots down in Bethel. And you cannot have your dwelling. You cannot have your abode in Bethel. You cannot be a part of Bethel 
and the worship there and stand against and rebuke what's taking place there. Any more than you and I as believers can live and have our abode and have our roots here in the world instead of looking for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Instead of uh, looking up because our redemption draweth nigh. Instead of being strangers and pilgrims in this world, if we have our roots here in the world, if we're part of this world system, then we cannot rebuke it. We cannot stand for the Lord in that way. These are the things that come to mind as we read these words in verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me, and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. So the old prophet comes to this man of God, and he essentially gives him the same invitation that Jeroboam did. He says in verse 15, Come home with me and eat bread. And the man of God gives him the same answer that he gave Jeroboam. Now he doesn't know who this man is. For all he knows, uh, this man who's just ridden up on this donkey could be one of Jeroboam's men that he sent. Maybe that's what he thought. Whatever he thought, he declined the invitation with the same message that he gave to Jeroboam. And that's good. That's good. But then we come to verse 18. He said unto him, this is the old prophet, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Now we've come here to this passage because of Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And that's the primary verse that applies here, as we'll see. But there's another passage in the New Testament that comes to mind as we read this 18th verse. Keep your place here and turn over to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20.
This is a chapter that we've talked about a number of times over the years. We certainly hadn't gotten to the bottom of it. But in this chapter, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's called the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and meet with him because he has some final words to say to them. Look, if you will, at verse 27. For I am not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Now what we want to see here is that Paul warns these Ephesian elders about two kinds of attacks. In verse 29 He tells about the attack from without. Grievous wolves. Grievous wolves that shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Jeroboam is a grievous wolf. And he did not spare this man. When this man gave him the message from heaven, Jeroboam put forth his hand from the altar, saying, lay hold on him. Jeroboam was not going to spare this man. Now the attack of grievous wolves is serious. But it's an attack that is pretty easy to spot. Pretty easy to see when there's a wolf coming. When Jeroboam attacked this man physically, the man of God recognized him. When he attacked more subtly, come home with me and I'll give you a reward. He recognized him. He recognized that this is an offer that is coming from a grievous wolf by the name of Jeroboam. He he recognized this wolf from without. But notice verse 30. Because there's another kind of attack. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. This is the attack that comes from within. It's the subtle, deceitful attack that comes of our own selves. That's the attack of 1 Kings 13 and verse 18. Let's go back there, if you will. And notice what this old prophet says. And it completely disarms the man of God. He says, I am a prophet also as thou art. In other words, I'm of your own selves. I'm just like you. I'm one of you. I'm a prophet also as thou art. 
And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. Here's this one who says, I am a prophet, also as thou art, speaking to this man of God. And what's he doing? He's speaking perverse things. Why? To draw away disciples after him? Maybe. Is he jealous? Maybe. We don't know. We aren't told what his motives were. But we do know that he said that he was a prophet also as the man of God was. But I want you to think about how deceptive things get. And how it's not only important what people say. It's important what they don't say. And what this old prophet didn't say is I am a prophet of the Lord also as thou art. He didn't say that, did he? He just said, I am a prophet also as thou art. He's speaking perverse things. And this man of God who recognized the grievous wolf Jeroboam didn't recognize when this old prophet who claimed to be one like himself arose speaking perverse things. That's one lesson from these verses that relates back to Acts chapter 20. But I believe the primary lesson and application is, is when we read verse 18 here, in the light of Galatians 1, 8, and 9, where we read, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say, I, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. God had preached to His servant. God had given him the message that He wanted preached to Jeroboam. He had given that message to this man of God. And God Himself had charged him had commanded him, don't you eat bread, don't you drink water. I don't want you to even return by the same way that you came. And folks, no man or no angel was going to change that message. No man, not even if he's a prophet, can change that message. And what was true here is true today. This is God's message. This is the message that He wants preached. And He wants it preached to the Jeroboams of this world. That's why we're here. This is His charge to us. This is the Word of the Lord, the King James Bible. And we're to obey it. And we're to be faithful to it. And it doesn't matter who tells us anything to the contrary. Be it an old prophet who once stood for the faith or Satan himself transformed into an angel of light or his ministers transformed as the ministers of righteousness. If they speak not according to this word, 
It is because there is no light in them. And we are to listen to them. And we are to follow them. God isn't going to change His Word. He isn't going to change His charge to us. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. God's commands to us are fixed. His Word is forever settled in heaven, and though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let Him be accursed. Let Him be accursed. Here's a perfect example. In the things that were written aforetime, Romans 15.4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. For our learning. And this is one of the things that were written aforetime. For our learning. To understand what Paul says and why he says what he says in Galatians 1 verses 8 and 9. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. What did Paul say? Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which ye have received. Let him be accursed. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Now, it's another thing, another thought concerning this old prophet. Do those words, he lied unto him, apply to everything that's said in that verse? Does it apply to him saying, I am a prophet also as thou art? I believe it does. It applies to him saying that an angel spake unto him by the word of the Lord. Now notice verse 19. So he went back with him. No questions asked. No questions asked. He went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drink water. Folks, this is the deception that we face in the last days. We're living in days when there are Jeroboams all over the spiritual landscape of this country. There, these are days when grievous wolves are everywhere. But I believe the greatest danger is not the grievous wolves. The greatest danger is the subtle, deceptive message of verse 18. The old prophets who say, I am a prophet also as thou art. The greatest danger is of our own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. It may be men who in the past have stood for the truth. But now they're taking believers, they're taking men of God, they're taking churches and ministries back with them to eat the bread and drink the water of convenience. Easy believism. The water of Bethel. We see here, while those who pervert the gospel of Christ, while those who preach another gospel, while God says, let them be accursed. 
Let them be a curse. Look at um, look at verse twenty. And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto unto the prophet that brought him back. Now, does this mean that this old prophet was a real prophet of the Lord? I don't think so. God, in His Word, has spoken through a lot of lost people. He spoke through the lost hireling prophet Balaam. Peter tells us that God spoke through Balaam's dumb ass. He spoke to Peter through a rooster. So the the Lord is certainly able to speak however He wants to speak, whatever vessel He wants to speak through. And that includes this old prophet. Verse 21, And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come into the sepulcher of thy fathers. It's interesting that this prophet, there's no recorded emotion that he displayed at all to hear that message. Maybe he didn't believe it coming from the old prophet. Or maybe he thought it was out there in the future somewhere. And it came to pass, verse 23, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And the ass stood by it, the lion also, by the carcass. Now think about the picture here. The lion meets the man of God and kills him. So here's the carcass of the man of God and standing beside it are the lion and the ass. Folks, when God's people are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, then what happens is the devil, the roaring lion meets them and he slays them. And the carcass of their ministry, the carcass of their testimony, the carcass of their stand for the Lord is cast in the way. It's cast in the way with the lion, the devil, and the ass, a picture of our flesh, standing by it for all the world to see. Look at verse 25. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And what did they do? It's big news back in Bethel. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. It's always big news when God's people lose their testimony. 
Now look at verse 33. They've come into the city. The men passed by. They saw it. They've come in. They've told about what they've seen in the city. There's the carcass of the man of God. There's the lion. There's the ass. Verse 33. And after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. Returned not from his evil way. Remember what Jeroboam has just been through. This man has come. He's prophesied against the altar that Jeroboam was leaning on and the altar uh, was destroyed. The ashes came forth. Jeroboam puts his hand toward this man of God. It withers. Then he gets word. He gets word. The man of God is out there dead on the road to Judah. And there's a lion standing by him. And there's the ass standing by him. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places, whosoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. The result of this man of God believing another gospel, which the Lord had not preached to him, another gospel that was not according to this word, the result was that he gave great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, namely Jeroboam and the people of Bethel. He gave great occasion to the, men, to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And the heart of Jeroboam and the heart of the people of Bethel was fully set in them to do evil. This is why God says twice, twice, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. We're talking in the collective uh, sense tonight of a body of believers. But it's true of individual believers. When we leave obedience to the Word of God, boy, the devil loves it. And, and our testimony is what is slain. Our testimony is what is lost. And an onlooking world will walk by and what will they see? The carcass of our testimony. The carcass of our stand for the Lord. And what's by it? The two things that always are working in concert with each other. The lion and the ass. The devil and this old nature. May we as individuals tonight, may we as a body of believers, guard for those of our own selves who would come to us and say, I'm a prophet as thou art. And the number one person who will do that is this old nature that lives in here. Guard for those who would come and say to this group of believers, this body of believers, oh, I am as thou art. I'm a prophet like you. 
I am a prophet also as that heart. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. May we stand firmly on Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Father, we thank You for allowing us to be together tonight. We thank You for these who have come who have a love for Your Word. And we pray that You would just take Your Word tonight and use it in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.